0: your host, Emma Luzchak. I'm here with my special guest, Juan Rodriguez. Welcome.
1: Hello. It's a pleasure to be on your show.
0: Now, you have a couple books out. You have four within one series and a couple others. But we're talking about the Veronica journey itself. What led you to create this series? Well, I
1: was inspired by... Um By ancient days, the dystopian societies, like, um, I mean, I'm sure we're all familiar with the fact that Rome or, you know, Catholic Rome ruled over the whole world. You know, you had the Inquisitions, you had the Dark Ages, the Crusades. So I kind of figured what would happen if if those situations, you know, if they would have happened nowadays, how would it be? And that's kind of what led me to create the whole story.
0: So let's get into the story a little bit. Where does this start and where have you left it in book four?
1: So a start, uh, the series starts off with, with the first installment, The Veronica Journey. Um, we have multiple main characters. We have Veronica, who's a singer. Um, we have Tori, who's sort of like this rebel kind of um, fighting against the government. We have Ruben, who's like um, he drops out of school. He's sort of like a, like a drug addict, kind of like hanging out in the streets. And then we have Stephen, who's ex military. And they all sort of just join forces together to fight the Pope. Because basically, um, society has been overrun by an Australian dictator who crowned himself president, Pope, everything. And he's, he's, uh, he's using religion to oppress people, you know? Nowadays, um, we, we see that a lot, too. So then, basically, after he destroys the world, everyone starts living in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And they start trying to create, like, their own society. Right. Um, then Soon after that, then we, we find our main character getting experimented on, developing superpowers. And then I, I've left off the series with very few survivors left on Earth. But they've they've managed to start a a new society, a new country with religious freedom. And they're creating perfect beings, per se, meaning, like, basically people that can feel and understand other people, like, telepathically. Like, basically, I I can feel and understand and think through your eyes. So I would never try to hurt you. That's kind of the whole idea. And I can see the future, too. So they, they created beings like that, and they're going to try to basically repopulate all of Earth with these perfect human beings, per se, so that there will be no more war, no more, you know, division because of skin color or religion or anything like that.
0: Well, it's a good thought, especially right now with having what's going on in the world today. Exactly. Kept in our forefront. I mean, it's not about the religion. It's not about the skin color. It's about being a person, a decent human being. So it's, exactly.
1: very, it's
0: very interesting that you have four of these books out. And they started coming out well before 2020.
1: Oh, yeah. I started writing in um, 2012, but they didn't get popular until this year. I guess with the whole pandemic and everyone staying at home, And I republished them, so everyone's starting to actually read them now. So it kind of feels good, because, like, with what's happening now, it's, it's cool that people are finally starting to read it and understand what I was trying to say all along.
0: Exactly. I mean, we have so many great fantasy books out there that teaches us how to be a decent human being. But we do it through art, so we're not telling you. We're letting your mind get there itself.
1: Yeah, like Dune and Hunger Games and Unwind.
0: Exactly. I mean, we have to put things like this into perspective. A lot of people, they don't like to be told what to do. Okay, yeah. so let's do a fantasy book and do a lot of what else.
1: Exactly. Because if your mind thinks that you're you're making the decision, on like if your mind chooses one way, you're more likely to, to actually do it. But if someone tells you what to do, then you you can't identify with that. You're just being told what to do. You don't understand why it's wrong or right. So really we just have to lead people to the door. We can't really open it for them. Mm-hmm.
0: As authors, you know, it's so wonderful to lead people to those doors, though.
1: It is. And it's, it's difficult, but it's very re- rewarding at the same time. <laughs>
0: true. I mean, we we spend countless hours writing the book. We look at the first draft, and we go, oh, I have to rewrite this whole thing. It's garbage.
1: <laughs> it's so it's so true.
0: And then we write the second draft, and then we have to go edit it. Then we have our families and friends look at it. They'll put in their input, hey, you have a spiel in the here. This chapter just does not make sense. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yep, that's that's so true. But I've been through so much with these books. I'm still working on them, too. Even even to this day, I'm still working on them. Twilight did the same thing. Twilight, even after the movies came out, they they made newer versions of the books. You would think, you know, once the movie drops, that's it, it's official. But no, they they still did re-edits. Yes. So you're never really done as an artist.
0: No, you're not. I mean, you go back, how many versions of Harry Potter are there? Seriously.
1: Probably so many.
0: Yeah. You're never done with the story. You're done when the voices of the characters tell you you're done. Exactly. But we open that door to those characters anytime they knock.
1: Yeah, when, whenever there is a story to be told, a message to be delivered, the characters somehow write their own story. And you're the, you're you as the author, you're not really a writer. You're just like you're just there to put the words together. The 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 story's already there. Mm-hmm. It was already created.
0: Yes. Everything in the universe has already been created. It's just up to us to find the medium to bring it into reality.
1: Yeah. There's a quote, and one of my characters says this in the first book. I think it's the character Stephen. He says, "We're all actors in God's play." but God wrote the play a long time ago. And we can't choose our own genre. So you can be in a horror, you can be in a romance, you can't choose your own genre, you can't choose your own role. You just got to play the part.
0: Exactly. And so many people don't understand this. Us as authors, author, if I can talk today, artists, anything, we're just creating a role that was destined for us. Our characters are what... <laughs> leads us to creating our art.
1: Yep. And I I think that characters are really just an extension of ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, like when, when you have a villain that's really like part of your own thoughts or, I guess, misunderstandings that you had at one point, because how would you be able to create a villain so well unless you can think like him? The same thing with, with the main character, the the protagonist. We're we're all good and bad. We're all we're all the characters in our stories, and we're just trying to like take apart ourselves into pieces and make different characters.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's know. why
1: I think it's good to to read fiction, mm-hmm. political fiction.
0: Mm-hmm. It is because when you get into the political fiction, we put just enough breadcrumbs there to tie it into reality but not enough where it's a hey we're going to choose a side of what side of the politics we're going to land on no we're exactly here, here to make you think about both sides then you can choose
1: exactly that's the thing about political side like dystopian books like 1984 fahrenheit 451 they, they never had a side they were choosing they were just showing you all the angles and, and how the world would work if it was one way, if it was the other way. Um, Clockwork Orange did that too. And no one was ever really, you know, preaching one side. And that's, why, that's what I think is, is better than, than real politics in a way, because real politics, you're just getting a one-sided story and everything's being filtered so that the person seems right, whereas as opposed to fiction, you get the whole spectrum.
0: Yes, and there's so much going on right now that we're only seeing one side of the story. We're not getting the big picture. And I blame the media for this because the media is the biggest fiction of them all right now.
1: Yeah. they have—they have, they have a, It's like a lawyer. Like You have to make your side look good so that you can make your point. Mm-hmm. You don't just show the whole spectrum so that people can decide on their own. You just try to filter reality so that you can make your own point. And I think that's what's wrong with 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 real life. I mean, it shouldn't even be real life. It should be like fiction, but fiction's more real than real life nowadays.
0: Isn't that strange how that happened? We went from real real life is stranger than fiction to real life is the things that fiction is being made into.
1: Yeah. Like, the, I, I've seen fictional stories that are, that are more unified that, than the America we live in. I mean, we got, we got black people being killed for nothing. Like, like the, Elijah McClain, he was, he was literally, he had just finished playing violin for a whole bunch of cats.
0: So he was going
1: to the store to buy iced tea. This was a little kid. And he got murdered by the cops for no reason. And no one got in trouble. No one was held accountable. Nobody cares. Like, that's something you would see in a Hunger Games movie, not in real life.
0: Exactly. But at the same time, we also have these, what is it, Chicago, not this weekend, but a couple of weeks ago, it was the bloodiest weekend in Chicago. Really? When, yeah. There was 20 shootings, 20 people killed in Chicago, not two weeks ago. There is nothing. This is not police on citizens. This is citizens on citizens, and there is nothing.
1: That's just crazy.
0: But we're seeing this stuff play out, and no one's, from what we see, no one's getting in trouble. No one's being arrested. No one is being held accountable. There was an infant that was killed in that weekend. There was a four four or five year old that was killed that weekend. These are kids. These are little, little kids.
1: And That's there's hard. no
0: there's no outrage about it. It's just it's another day. Why are we accepting this? This is That's why write different. this is why authors such as me and Juan write the books we do because there's no outrage where there should be we're being outraged on what the media tells us there should be outrage on but the things that the media is quiet on there's no outrage
1: man oh man i just know that um if we don't if we don't change the course of of our like the direction we're heading in now mm-hmm. we can see we can see repeats of like some of the most terrible things in history happened when everything was going fine, you know? And I, and I say fine very loosely, but, like, for example, uh, right before World War II, everything was, you know, peace and safety. Everything was calm. You know, the Great Depression had just ended. Um, we were We were making, you know, we were building up the economy again. People were being promised peace, and people were being promised, you know, you know, like union and whatever, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we just see mass killings of Jews and before you know it, a global war. Right. Because, yeah, because when we're safe and cozy, we don't want to do anything, but, but that's when villains arise. That, that's when dictators come, when everything's nice and calm because you're not doing anything. Don't think that you're ever, like, don't think that you're ever in a good situation. You've got to be vigilant
0: i say this on my other radio shows my political show and on a news network you have to go beyond what you see and research it you can't just go on a gut reaction you have to research and then actually do something we have to be vigilant as a human society We learn this in Hunger Games. We have to be vigilant. We see this in so many different books, but yet we don't listen to the message behind it.
1: Yep. I mean, um, one of my favorite books of all time is actually um, 1984. And it was written in the 40s, so they have to be very careful of how they worded things. But basically, basically, if you really read into what they're saying, the, the villains, because, you know, like, society was broken up into, like, factions, kind of like how divergent is. Mm-hmm. But um, in these factions, they were all being ruled by, you know, political figures like um, like a, a bishop or a cardinal or a father. So that What they really were saying was that, like, the Vatican was the villain. But, of course, in the 40s, you couldn't say something like that direct, you know? Of
0: course. Nice yeah. You're not going to go and say the Vatican is wrong.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that was actually one of Hitler's problems. Hitler knew that there, was, um, that there was, like, pedophilia going on in the Vatican and that it was being covered up. Even back then that was happening. And that was one of the things that actually had upset him, even though he himself was Catholic, too so then like basically a, a lot of um, and I'm not anti-catholic in any way but a lot of our a lot of our root problems can actually be traced to the Vatican and this isn't necessarily a catholic thing it's a Vatican thing like for example racism racism originated from the catholic church like the whole black people and jewish people are inferior because of their their skin color, and their religion. Like, that that was literally a Catholic teaching. Like, I, I explain it better in my fourth book, mm-hmm. but basically it was like even in ancient days the Catholic church would make Jewish people, even in Europe, they would make them wear yellow to stand out. So I had the Christians or the Catholics, because Protestantism wasn't a thing yet, so it was just all the Christians in the world were Catholic. Basically it was like a, a warning label so that Christians wouldn't, Intermingle their genes with Jews. So basically, it was a belief that by your choice of religion, you were genetically genetically superior or not, right. and by your choice of religion, your your genes would be different. So automatically, that would single out Middle Eastern people, you know, Africans. Who you know, at that point, like a lot of Africa was, you know, pagan. So everyone was just labeled as. Genetically inferior because of their religion, and then eventually that trickled down into your country and your race and your skin color, and that all originated literally from from papal teachings, from from pope teachings,
0: and we don't realize
1: that, but, but that's why racism is so embedded into us. Like it's, it's so they're so passionate about like we gotta, you know, immigrants gotta leave our country or black people whatever. It's because. At one point, that was like in our doctrine. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't like unbrainwash someone from their religion. Like that's that's a very difficult thing to do. So like when something so hateful like racism or misogyny is embedded into your religious beliefs, you're gonna have a you're gonna have you're gonna have what you see in America. We're a very modern country, but you literally are seeing the beginning the beginning birth pains of a civil war. It's because the the religion was corrupt at, at one point, and people are still holding to those, you know, ancient values back when it was really corrupt. And I talk a lot about that in my books.
0: Well, I have to agree with you, because a lot of, you can get people to change their political views. You can get people to change their views on, different orientations you have a hard time getting people away from religion when you have a corrupt i just did a show not too long ago on this actually when you have a leader in the religion organization breeding corruption and you have their followers what are they actually teaching they're not teaching the actual words that they're supposed to they're being taught the corruption
1: yeah A perfect example of that is like, for example, there's like probably a few sentences in the New Testament that say, for example, like women should be silent in the church, or women should submit to their husbands, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to understand, society at that point was criticizing the Christians so much, you know, they were basically viewed like a cult, like they, they believed that, Jehovah God incarnated as, like, this short Jewish guy, Jesus. You know, like, they were viewed as a cult. So basically, they were just trying to fit in with society. And, you know, Rome ruled society, and Rome was very misogynistic. So, And the whole world was misogynistic at that time. So they were just trying to blend in. But then you got people take little sentences like that and blow it out completely out of proportion. I mean, you got people like Caitlin Bennett on YouTube telling... Women that they shouldn't have the right to vote, and it's just like, well, you took half a sentence from the Bible and completely blew it out of proportion to like oppress people and treat people badly. But then you have chapters and chapters of the Bible that say worship on Saturday. You know what I mean? So it's like when you compare the two things, like you have thousands of words that say worship on Saturday. You have half a sentence that says women should be silent in the church and submit to their husband, mm-hmm. and then you. they're basically just nitpicking what they want so that they can just stay empowered. It has nothing to do with believing in the Bible, because if if it has to do with believing in the Bible, then they would all be going around shaming Christians that worship on Sunday. But they're not doing that. They're just, you know, treating treating women badly when they want to vote or when they want to voice their opinion or when their husband is wrong and they don't want to submit to that. Because even the Bible says, you know, you shouldn't do anything wrong. Even if like your husband's telling you and they also said husbands should submit to their wives too. But they don't show you that part.
0: Oh no. There's so much stuff that's in the Bible that's not taught because oh my, if we teach things then we're to well, lose have, power. <laughs> yes. And we don't want to lose power on our power trip people that are in your top positions, your Pope, your Exactly. Vet, uh, your cardinals, your whatever.
1: Well, be the offering.
0: (laughs) Because if, okay, if we go through history, your people that preach the religion, those were the educated, and they were preaching it because the civilians, the poor, weren't not Uh. able to comprehend the word of God.
1: And they weren't allowed to read it either. For a long time, the Catholic Church and also the Hindu religion banned people of a lower class to even read the holy books. It was like a a you're not worthy thing. So, like, they're not even reading their own scriptures or allowed to. So they're just stressing whoever has a title. That's a power chip. That has nothing to do with belief in God. That's like you're manipulating belief in God just to acquire power. Like, that's just so... That's what the villain in my story does. Like, I, I show you how it can easily get out of hand. You can have the next Hitler.
0: Yes. We're seeing this actually today in America. If you really look at what's going on. Oh, yeah, definitely. It Donald
1: Trump's standing in front of a church with a Bible, he's holding it upside down. He He never even probably touched that Bible before. <laughs>
0: But we're seeing this so much that um, in America, just in America alone, people don't want to give up power. This is why we have term limits on our president. Why do we not have term limits on our Congress and our Senate? That is our power right there. Yeah. You want something to get out of hand, you keep people in power for 30 years.
1: Oh, yeah. I think Abraham Lincoln, uh, Abraham Lincoln, sorry not to cut you off, but Abraham Lincoln said if you want to see um, a true man, like, like, if you want human nature to really come out of someone and so you can see who they really are, give them power and money. Yes. And then it'll come out.
0: Yes. It, it is sad that we have gotten in, into a society where those with money and power are the most corrupt people on earth. But on the flip side, it makes a great story to read.
1: Yes, it does. <laughs> and, it a, and it builds good character. Mm-hmm. If 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 we, you know, like us at the bottom, mm-hmm. can mature and and really grow, then we can make the next generation better, and then they 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 could be the ones in power. They could be the ones that make change. So just because change isn't happening right now. Because at the end of the day, it's very few people that are corrupt. It's just that they have a lot of power. Yeah. That power won't last forever. That, even that ideology won't last forever. You don't know if a, if a son they'll have will view, will view what they did differently. Like that, that literally happened in ancient Rome. All their children disagree with the parents and they rebelled, and then you know, Rome falls eventually. So, I mean, all we got to do is raise our children right create a better next generation, and then maybe the change can happen then. But if we just give up and we just start agreeing with, like, the evil people in power, we're not going to ever see change.
0: No, we, we won't. We're going to see a repeat of every historical event that we swore as a human race we would never repeat. But we need to grow. We need to teach the history Properly, not the political history, but the actual history, and grow as a society because that's the only way when people on the bottom can rise up to create a better future. Yep. But it was so great having you on the show. Where can our listeners find you and your books?
1: Well, you definitely look me up on Amazon.com. My, the Veronica Journey series is on there. I got the, the first Veronica Journey, The Arcanist Door, which is Veronica Journey 2, The City of Refuge, which is Part 3, and The Tree of Life, the newest installment, which is Veronica Journey 4. And um, you can also hit me up at my email, Journey at gmail.com, if you have any questions. Or sometimes I give out free digital copies of the first two books, so you might catch me in a good mood. And um, you, you can always go to YouTube and type in SPACE, and you can always watch um, my, my, my friends' church videos and stuff like that. They do lots of, like, um, like stuff on the Bible and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it teaches you a lot of stuff that you actually w- won't hear from mainstream Christianity. That's U-C-C space, like the word space. And then you can look up videos on YouTube and stuff.
0: Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. And I look forward to hearing more about your Veronica series.
1: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be on your show.
0: And have a wonderful day and happy reading. You too.